This is Sports and Torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris on TalkZone.com. On the phone, we have former Boston Red Sox and Baseball Hall of Famer Jim Rice. How are you doing today, Mr. Rice? I'm doing fine. You guys doing pretty good? We're doing good. Boston's doing a little better than us uh, playing baseball this year than we are in Chicago. Maybe, but I think um, it's, only, it's early. I mean, you haven't even played it a month yet. I mean, every, no use panicking now. It's only not even a month. When you don't win a World Series with the Cubs in over 100 years, you start to panic every year. <laughs> uh, I, I tell you what, the thing about that, it's more fans than anything else. I don't think the players, the players are not panicking. And uh, you go to spring training, you're not playing with your full squad. You have so many players in spring training, so the guys are still adjusting. Guys didn't have a lot of bats in spring training. Our pitchers probably have a lot of innings pitched in spring training. So now they're adjusting. And, of course, you got to think about the weather also. So there's so many factors that are in the first month and a half of the season. depends on where you are. It depends on where you're playing. You know, inside is much, is much better than playing on the outside when you're in Chicago. So you look at some of the teams that are playing inside, some of the teams in Arizona, some of the teams in Florida, even in Boston right now, we're getting pretty good weather. Growing up in Anderson, South Carolina, most of your childhood, you went to segregated schools. No, no, no. I, my, my last year, my last, my last year, only one year. You went to an integrated school your, your last year, right? Yes. What, what was that transition like? It wasn't really a transition. It was my last year. You know, um, I, back then you had to have you had to have what like twelve units. And uh, when I went to school my last year, I only had to have one unit. So really, I just had to go to school to take one class. And so as far as going to school and taking one class, you still saw some of your friends that you were over um, in segregated school. So it's still, um, to me, it was the same because really you didn't have to be at uh, school the whole, uh, I guess, maybe the whole day. So mainly what I did, I tried to take my uh, last class, which was the English, my last class, <clears throat> was the last period. And so the last period would get me back into basketball, get me back into football, and get me back into baseball. So that's what I did. So I only had to have one class, but I took more than one class. I took two, uh, I took three classes because my high school coach, um, uh, two of them was in uh, psycho- psychology and uh, sociology. Was baseball your best sport in high school or was football or basketball? I was, I was a pretty good football player. I had a full ride to uh, Nebraska, but I turned that down. And so uh, baseball I had been playing all my life. But I could play. I could play uh, both of them. It was, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a big deal. I was a wide receiver. I was a defensive halfback. So it wasn't a big deal to go <clears throat> go from uh, baseball to uh, football. You were drafted number one by Boston. Were you anticipating the Red Sox would take you? No, I don't, I don't think you anticipated uh, anyone would take you. Because back then, I didn't um, have any idea uh, about the draft. I didn't know I was being drafted by the Red Sox. Uh, I was out playing baseball. And the Red Sox drafted me, so it, to me, it didn't matter what team drafted me. I had an option of, of playing baseball or going to college. It had to be tough to turn down Nebraska though in the seventies because they were a football powerhouse back then. Well, you look at Nebraska and you look at my career. How that come out? <laughs> you made the right decision. Well, thank you. I appreciate, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> You started off at single-A ball in uh, Williamsport in 71, and then in 72, you were in Winter Haven in the Florida State League. Uh, all I can remember about the Florida State League was a lot of heat and humidity. 
Well, just like anything else, I mean, when you're playing sports, you want to stay warm. And, of course, by being in the Florida State, Florida State, you played in all the ballparks that you had major league um, spring training in. And so the only thing it was was giving you the distance as far as major league parks to play in. And so anyone to play in the Florida State, if you, you know, back then, if you had 17, 18 home runs, 20 home runs in Florida State, uh, which I think it played like 60-something games, that's pretty good. And you, it, it showed you that you at least have the power that if they bring you up to a major league, you can hit all the major league parts. How big of a transition was it? When, how big of a transition was it when you went up from the minors to the Red Sox? It was big because you really know anyone. I mean, you saw guys in spring training, but you still didn't have an idea how they was going to pitch you or how they was going to defense you. So you had to learn the offense and defense. The offense, as far as what you can do and what your team's doing with you, and the defense can be able to play against the other guys. But still, when you talk about making some kind of adjustment, you had to know the pitches, you had to know the players, because you still had to play defense. So it was adjustment. The adjustments you had to make in the minor leagues, you had to make the same way. And make, uh, the guys in the major league were just a little more advanced. Now your manager at Boston to start off with was Daryl Johnson. Did, is he the guy that said, okay, you made the team, you're, you're coming north? No. They don't have a team I made the team. I knew I made the team. They couldn't do anything with me because I had won the triple crown with a month ago in spring training. So they had to, I had to put me in the big leagues to trade me. So I knew I had made a team coming out of our spring training. I mean, I didn't have anything uh, to prove going back down to the minor leagues unless I won the trade Did your teammate, did Carl Yastrzemski and uh, Carlton Fitz kind of help you with the transition, or did any other teammates? No. Uh, Johnny Pesci was my hitting instructor. Uh, like I said, I had been in uh, big league camp for three years. So as far as making any kind of transition, you made the transition in spring training because you were there with major league players, uh, Carl Yastrzemski, uh, Rico, Paul, and Fisk. And so um, going to spring training uh, in the big league three years in a row and playing against major league ball players, you don't have to make a transition. You squat and play. It's, it's not like you reinvented the game. If you got the ability to play uh, major league baseball, you got the ability to play baseball. What you do is mainly uh, fine-tune your tools, and that's what it's all about, knowing what you need to work on, what you can do, what you can't do. And that's it. You don't need anyone to hold your hand. And those guys were not going to hold your hand because they had something to do, do themselves. You had, to, you had to learn it. They'll find somebody that can learn a little faster than you. As a rookie, you batted 309, at 22 home runs, drove in 102 runs better than. By the way, that's going to win your rookie of the year. But you had a teammate in Freddie Lynn who took that oh, title. Yeah, well, Freddie. Uh, was in post-play. He was in uh, post-play in the playoffs. He was in post-play in the World Series. I had a broken hand. I broke my hand with probably nine days to go in the season. Burn will broke my hand in Detroit. And so I couldn't play in the postseason. But my numbers were just as good as, uh, just as, good as Freddie. And Freddie played. And he <clears throat> did an outstanding job in post-play in uh, uh, World Series. And that's how <clears throat> he got it. I, I was glad for him. And uh, that was it. <laughs> and eventually later on, I came back and uh, I won the MVP. You mentioned you won the uh, you you mentioned you won the triple crown in the minor leagues in '74. A lot of power hitters 
don't hit for high average. What was your success for hitting for high average and also keeping your power? Just try to be short and quick. Just try to hit the side. I, I don't think anyone can give you a secret as far as hitting for a high average. You got get talent. I hand coordination. You just hit the ball where they throw it, and uh, nobody's hitting the base hit. You can't guide the ball. <laughs> that's, that, that's what it's all about. Just scared to hit him and have fun. <clears throat> What's playing left field in Fenway like? I hear you. What's playing left field? Yeah, what's playing left field in Fenway Park? You you really can't tell anyone. You really can't describe it because the person really, um, he or she that may ask you that question has to go out there and try to uh, play that wall. Right now it's a different wall. Uh, When I played it, it was all 10. This is more of a plexi type of wall would give you a true bounce. So you're talking about two different walls. This wall here is much easier to play. I think players uh, shouldn't have any trouble playing this wall. When I played it, you had 10, you had concrete, you didn't have any padding. So it was a different wall. You're talking about two different walls, really. Was playing left field in Fenway Park tougher than playing left field in any other park? I don't think so. Because I think if you go out there and work at your home team uh, field, it's an advantage for you. Uh, When you go out on another uh, another field, uh, it should be a piece of cake. But the toughest thing about playing the outfield is the way the sun sets if you play a lot of uh, A games. Uh, the most difficult field will probably be right field. Most of the time, the sun sets in right field. There's only maybe two or three cities that the sun sets in left field. So uh, forget about playing the wall. The most difficult thing to play <clears throat> is the sun. You can't do it. I mean, you just don't know what Mother Nature's going to do. But as far as playing the wall, uh, that's my home home field. I knew everything about the wall that I needed to know. As as the Red Sox left fielder, you were following in the footsteps of a couple of guys who had pretty good careers. Ted Williams, Paul Yastrzemski. Did you feel any sort of burden? You know, no, no, no. I, I mean, Carl had to play uh, behind Williams. I had I had to play uh, behind uh, Yaz. So we all three are different type of players, and the way he uh, patrolled left field and the way I patrolled left field was entirely different. And, of course, um, you had different uh, hitters. And so the three of us had different hitters. Uh, you talking about different weathers. I don't think we all had the same kind of weather on the same day. So we all had uh, different ways of playing uh, the left field. Uh, yeah, it's probably played shallow. Uh, we was probably played a little further back than me. Um, I gave the lines away because you can't protect the line anyway. So you had different ideas of how to play. But also... You got to think about the hitter. You got to think about the situation. You play the situation. You don't play the wall. You play the situation. When you won the MVP that year, you also led the league in triples. No one's ever done that with the amount of home runs and triples you had in that season. Was it your speed that got you the triples, or just you knew how to run the bases? I knew how to run the bases, and you hit. I mean, guys just look for doubles. Um, you hit the ball. I was more of a right field, gap to gap type of hitter. I had power, and I just hit the ball off the wall. I did some kind of um, hitting as far as uh, getting out to the outfield and hitting the wall and giving guys bad angles with the ball coming out the, out the wall. I took advantage of uh, my speed. That 78 season, it, did it feel like every time you swung the bat, you were going to get a hit? I felt like I did some damage. I don't know why it's for hitting, but uh, the damage was that if a guy's on third base, you hit a ball to the right side, you get the run. Uh, man on second base, you hit the ball to the off field, the guy advanced to, uh, to third. 
So not necessarily getting a basis, but still you had to be able to uh, <clears throat> do a little team offering and be able to uh, maneuver the ball around to get the guys in scoring position. That first World Series you went to, what was that like? I don't know. I didn't play in it because I had a broken hand. I put my hand in 75, so I didn't play in the World Series. I was sitting on the bench. Um, I how, hard, how, hard, how hard was it on you? No, and that, listen, you know what, I think I can make a difference. No, I knew I couldn't make any difference because I was on the disabled list and they couldn't take me off the disabled list, so I couldn't make a difference. <clears throat> if I wasn't on the disabled list, I felt like I could have played, I would have played, but I was on the disabled list. So once you're on the disabled list, they put me on the disabled list after that time, they could not take me off the disabled list. Is the story true that you ripped off your cast and uh, went went to the uh, higher-ups in the organization and said you were ready to play, and they said, no, you're not? Yeah, I, I did, but like I said, I was, I was a disabled list. Regardless of what they said, I couldn't play anyway because that was the rule. I had to stay on the disabled list. I think I was on like a 30-day disabled list because it was broken. So there was no way for me to come off. So that's what they put me on. They put me on a 30-day disabled list, not a 15. It's a 30-day disabled list. And so I had to stay on the disabled list for 30 days. When you went to the next World Series, what was that like? The next World Series was entirely different because um, I was playing pretty good. I was hitting very well, and I had uh, I brought good numbers to uh, to the World Series. And so that was, I think, anytime you play in the World Series or anytime you uh, open the season up, once you play that first game or once you have that first play, it's first play is just like any other game. The difference is the, the way that people act. Because of the World Series. What was it like when the ball went through Buckner's legs? It was just uh, a play that uh, he probably took it off the ball. You know, I, there's going to be winners. There's going to be losers. There's going to be guys who make mistakes. And teams will take advantage of it. Ball went through Buckner's leg. Mess took advantage of it. They won the World Series. We went home. That's nothing you can do. It's only going to be one winner. <laughs> and that's it. You, you accept what was dealt with you. I don't think he tried to miss the ball. I don't think he had a bet on the game. So he took it off the ball. The ball could have taken a bad hop. I don't know. But that's the way, you know, that's the way it was. I mean, if you look at the World Series at the Red Sox, no one thought that the Red Sox would have won the World Series. Everyone thought Toronto was going to win. The way Toronto had their their club, the way Tampa Bay had their club, no one, even all the writers in Boston had already given it to Toronto. But they didn't show up. Everyone thought the Yankees were going to win. Yes, but they didn't show up. The Red Sox showed it. So it is the way uh, the ball rolls. That does it for another edition of Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com. I'd like to thank our guests, Lisa Avalet, Billy Williams, Jim Rice. also like to thank our executive producer, Dave Olson. Tune in again next week for another edition of Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com. Mm-hmm.